What We Believe is a series that we've, we've been in the last several weeks. And today, money and giving. Money and giving. You know, if there's one thing that churches believe in, <laughs> it's giving, right? Or taking up the offering. The churches believe in that. If a church is going to do anything on a Sunday morning, it's going to take up an offering. Uh, if there's just two people there. Uh, of course, we don't take up the offering anymore. We just have a plate out there that you, that you put your money in, and which I think that works really well. We've been, done that since COVID, and our giving has, has not fluctuated really. Uh, so, uh, but still, we got that plate out there, and uh, any other church is going to have a plate or pass an offering if they do anything. Uh, you know, we may have heard stories like, you know, our church took up an offering this past Sunday, and, and after they counted it, the preacher said, okay, we're passing the plates again. We didn't get enough. I've, I've always heard that story. I don't know. Has anybody ever experienced that? I, I never have experienced that, but I, it's just a, one of those uh, old wives' tales, I guess. Um, uh, in addition to the fact that giving is something every church encourages, it's also, in recent years, become a very controversial subject, money and giving, when it comes to church, uh, mostly because of the high-profile churches and individuals who have abused the whole idea of giving at church. Uh, Christianity got a bad name back in the 70s, 80s, and 90s uh, when TV evangelists sporting wavy hairdos and uh, shiny three-piece suits and great big giant gold rings uh, spent a large portion of their broadcast time uh, trying to convince their audience to send them money. We need your money. With huge tears running down mascara-streaked faces, and promises to send miraculous oils and patches of miraculous cloth that would heal any sickness if you would just simply send in a donation. Uh, they begged people, their audience, for their money. And some people actually sent money in. <laughs> Lots of people did. Sometimes these evangelists were found to be frauds. Sometimes they were found to be dealing with very serious moral weaknesses. Uh, and, of course, the media, who loves to point out Christian hypocrisy uh, with much glee, <laughs> pounced on these greedy men of God and women of God, uh, and unfortunately often lumped all Christians in with them. They're all that way, uh, in with these very unbiblical examples of Christians and their money. And as a result of, of the bad press that uh, that. Christianity got uh, in those days, many preachers became reluctant sometimes to even discuss uh, the, the Christian's role in their, with their money, what they should be doing with it. But whether comfortable or not, whether people have misrepresented it or not, uh, money is a huge part of our lives, isn't it? We cannot live without money. Even though it would be wonderful, wouldn't it be great to not have to worry another second about money, uh, to even think about it? But we have to. It's just life. We can't live without money. We need it to, to sustain our lives, to sustain our families. Um, and at the same time, God's kingdom needs money to be sustained uh, as well. Even the Lord's work needs money to function. Wouldn't that be great if, we, if as a church we didn't have to worry about, about money? 
But the lights have got to be paid. The, the light bill's got to be paid. And salaries must be paid. And study materials must be bought. And HVAC systems go bad. And we have to repair them. Uh, there's ministries that need to be funded. And benevolent outreach ministries that we want to, to help out with. Missionaries uh, depend on money that we receive and give to them so that they can pay their salaries and their light bills and their rent, their benevolence. You know, most things cost money, right? Even in the kingdom of God. Even in the kingdom of God. And it's for that reason and that fact of life that God has always called His followers to give a portion of their income to His kingdom. Not to line the pockets of greedy TV evangelists, uh, but simply to cover the costs of ministry. Ministry costs money. God it calls us to meet those financial needs. Part of loving God with all of our heart and soul and mind and strength and loving our neighbor as ourselves, the two great commandments that Jesus gave us, is helping to fund the financial needs of God's kingdom. There's no government grants that we get uh, from, from, uh, from, the, from the government to help fund things. God didn't, didn't intend for us to just sell things like chicken dinners and, and things like that to fund things. No, he depends on his people funding the kingdom of God. So having said that, what I want to talk about this morning is really not the monetary costs of God's kingdom that, that our giving covers. That is true. But what I want to talk about this morning is the blessings of our giving. Uh, the blessings that come to our lives and to the lives of others when we decide to give. In particular, I want to talk today about generosity. Generosity. Generosity is the free and liberal bestowal of our resources upon others to include both our possessions, our money and our things, and ourself, our time, our energy, our love. Generosity is a characteristic of God. God freely and liberally gives us His grace. It's a gift motivated by His love for us. God's generosity is not based on merit. It's not, we, did, we don't earn God's grace because of some good thing that we do. In fact, the grace that God generously gives every single one of us is undeserved. Completely undeserved. Jesus made God's generous gift possible when He died on the cross for our sins. A man who never committed a single sin in his life willingly allowed himself to be punished for our sin. And I would say that's pretty generous, wouldn't you? If we're a follower of Jesus, one of our goals is to be like Jesus, right? If we're a Christian, we are Christ-like, or that's our goal. And generosity is a Christ-like characteristic uh, that, that we as his followers should be seeking to imitate. If Jesus was generous, we need to be generous. Yeah, the kingdom of God needs money uh, for it to function. It needs money to pay the things that need to be paid. In order to function, the kingdom of God needs our time. It needs our energy. It needs our, our, our love. 
We might be motivated to give because, oh, the church needs my money to function. We might think, I'm going to give to the kingdom of God so the lights can stay on and we can have air conditioning in the summer and heat in the winter. That's, that's my motivation so the church can function. I, I want to give my money so that, so that the missionaries in Ghana and in Togo and in India can be funded. That, that's my motivation for giving. And hey, you know what? That's a great motivation. A great motivation is to, to desire to help the church function financially. But here's a better one. Here's a better motivation for our giving. The desire to be like God. I want to be like God. God is generous, and I want to be like Him. God, because of your love for me with a generous heart, you gave me your life. You gave me your grace. Because of my love for you, God, I'm going to give you my life. I'm going to give you my resources to you and to others, to your kingdom, because I love you. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6 through 8, Paul wrote to the church at Corinth this. Remember this, he said, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. God calls you and me to give of ourself, to give of our resources, to give of our money, to give of our time. And he calls us to do so motivated by a generous heart. So what does giving with a generous heart look like? Let's, let's talk about some characteristics of generous giving. First of all, generous giving means we give liberally. And I'm not talking about politics. I'm talking about uh, the, 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 the amount that we give, the, the quantity, the attitude about quantity. Uh, giving liberally doesn't ask, how little can I get away with? this week in my giving generosity is never concerned about knowing what the minimum is well just tell me how how much i got to give and that's what i'll give generosity doesn't ask how little can i give generosity generosity asks how much can i give lord how much can i give to you i want to give as much as i am able that's a generous attitude Generous giving means we give because we want to give. Generosity is not giving because I have to give uh, or through, uh, through some command that says I must give. Paul said, don't, we don't want you to give reluctantly or under compulsion, like somebody's twisting your arm or standing over you, uh, pointing their finger at you. Generosity is giving by our own free will because we choose to, because we want to, we desire to. 
Guess what, Lord? I am so excited. I am so excited because I get to give to you today. I can't wait to put my check in the offering plate or to give my time at Vacation Bible School uh, or to give my energy in ministry. I can't wait to show my love for you, God, by giving to you of me. Generosity, generous giving means we trust God to always give us what we need. You know, a lot of followers of Jesus truly want to give. They, they truly want to be generous. Lord, I, I've heard so many people say, man, I want to give to you, God, or I want to give uh, at church. Uh, they know they should give, uh, and, and they want to give, but they don't because they're afraid to give. They're afraid to give. I, I want to give to you, God, but by the time I pay all my bills, there's nothing left to give. Or, or God, I want to give, I, I want to give more, but God, what if something happens? You know, what, what if the car breaks down? What if, what if the kids get sick and they got to go to the doctor? What, what if a, an unexpected bill comes? It happens, God. What, what if that happens? If I don't pay the electric bill, Lord, my lights are going to be cut off. My water is going to be cut off. Um, if I don't give to you, I know that's bad, Lord, but at least my lights are still on. Isn't that the way we look at things sometimes? If we're honest. God, if I don't give to you, at least I know I'm not going to be evicted. At least I know my utilities are going to stay on. But you know, if you examine the passage that we just read there in 2 Corinthians, we see that, that that's a flawed way of thinking all the way around. It, it is true that if you don't pay your light bill, your lights go off, right? And, and maybe all, uh, all of us or, or many of us have experienced that at some time in our life. But, but there are, is also consequences that we just don't think about sometimes of not giving to God as well. The consequences are we miss out on the promises that God is giving us that Paul talks about. Let's look at that passage again, verse 6. Paul says, remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Those are two promises from God. You know, Paul is telling us that if we fail to be generous, we will lose the increase that God would otherwise have given us. That just, God's, God's got it there ready for us, uh, but it's just not going to be given if we aren't genuine. If we give, but if we give generously, God promises to return something generous back to us. Back to us. Just like, you know, the utility company promises something. You don't pay your light bill, we're going to turn them off, right? That's their promise. You know, God promises that, a regenerous, that, that there's going to be a generous return. But if you don't give, you will not get that generous return. Now, what generous return is that? Now, is it more money? Well, yeah, sometimes. Sometimes it's more money or some money. 
You know, God never promises you give to me and you'll be a, a, a millionaire, a billionaire. Uh, you'll become very wealthy. No, that's not the promise. But sometimes the promise is the money we need. You know, I've known so many people, many of you, I've heard you tell the stories of, of how you stepped out in faith when you, it would have been so easy to to cower in fear and wonder how you're going to get by, but you, you stepped out in faith and you gave a gift anyway. You gave generously, wondering how you're going to pay something, a bill, a, a rent, or whatever it might be. And then the next day or two, or sometimes that very same day, you got a, a check in the mail. It was a refund that you forgot all about from the doctor or from the government, and, uh, or maybe it's some anonymous gift was slipped into your hand and you found it there. I've heard so many stories like that when people said, you know what, I'm just going to step out on faith and be generous. God's going to take care of me. And he did. Yeah, sometimes the generous return is money or, or what we need in money. But sometimes it's the fact that the car didn't break down. Uh, or the repair bill was not as much as the mechanic thought it was going to be. Or at the end of the month, and this has happened to me so many times, you balance your checkbook, and surprisingly, I'm okay. <laughs> I've got what I need. It's not, it's not as bad as I thought it was going to be. We had all the needed food and money for bills and gas for the car. When we give generously, God promises us we will receive a generous return. That's a promise. Listen to verse 8. And God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all, in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. You know, God is able to give that generous return. He's God. He's able to provide all that we need. Again, we're not going to get rich, but we're going to have what we need. Uh, of course, God can do that. He is God. And if we know that and believe that and trust that promise, we will do what our human nature is afraid to do. We'll, we'll step out and we'll abound in every good work that God calls us to do, including giving, being generous. So how can we step out, of faith, out in faith and trust that God will keep these promises? Well, generosity, I think, from my experience, is about placing God, when it comes to money, in our budget placing God in our budget. You know, in a real sense, if we want to be generous on a regular basis, on a consistent basis, we got a budget for it. If you were to lay out your current budget right now on the table in the kitchen uh, and, and include on that budget all your income and all your expenses, your rent, your mortgage, your car payment, your food, your gas, cell phone, cable, uh, insurance, uh, entertainment, you know, pet food, all, everything that you, are, you need to purchase every month, if you were to lay that out on the table right now, would there be a line 
for God in that budget. For many, God, is, God has no line in their budget at all. Uh, for many, it's, well, you know what? If I have any left over at the end of the month, that I, and for many, it's pulling the wallet out and say, well, let's see what we have today. Ah, there's a one, or there's a five, or there's a ten. Um, there's, there's no planning. There's no line in the budget. It's, if I have anything left over, God, at the end of the month, I'll give that to you. He's not in the budget at all. He's outside the budget, and giving to him is often neglected. Well, because why? There wasn't any left at the end of the month. Or maybe, for, for some, uh, he is in the budget. Yeah, God's in my budget. I, I got a plan. But if anything comes up that's unexpected, God's line in the budget is the first one that's cut. You know, utility bill was much higher than I thought it was, God, so I guess I'm, I'm not going to be able to give to you this, this month. Or, hey, we're going to the beach this weekend. I've got to have gas money. You know, there goes this week's gifts, God. Maybe next week. Maybe we can work it in next week. Here's the way I think God looks at it for us. Not only is God in our budget, but he is the very first line in the budget. In scripture, that's often called the first fruits. The Jews were, were called to give their first fruits. So before they took any crops to eat or sell, they, they gathered what they would give to the Lord. Or before they, they slaughtered any animal for themselves or to sell, they gave their first fruit, their best fruit, to God to be to, as a sacrifice. Not only should God be in our budget, but he should be the first fruit at the top of the line. Not the last one or, or the middle one, but the first one. You know, before we even think about how we're going to do this month, uh, you know, we have decided this is what I'm going to give. It's at the very top of my list, and nothing is going to stop me from doing that. Our generous gift is not decided from month to month based on what our expenses are for that month. It's an amount that we decide ahead of time placed in our budget at the very top before we do anything else. I'm going to give this amount to God. You know, Jack and I have always done that in our marriage from the very beginning. And, and I can tell you, each week we give what we have decided ahead of time. No matter what happens or what we expect to happen during that month, this is what we're going to get. And we've done that for 43 years of marriage now. And I can, I can testify that Jackie and I have never, ever been without what we needed. There's been some, some tightness in there somewhere. There's been some moments like, oh, but there is zero left over uh, after this has been given. But we have never gone without what we needed. And in fact, we often have a little more than what we needed. Sometimes a lot more than what we needed. But we've always had enough. And as the great philosopher Mary Poppins said, enough is as good as a feast. And that is so true. For me, when I get to the end of the month and everything is covered, including and especially God, to me, that's a good month. 
That's a good month. That's a good feeling. To me, that's a generous return. Especially during those times when I wondered if there would even be enough. There always was. And so, when you lay out your budget and you consider how much space there should be uh, for God, what decision should we make? Well, Paul said in 2 Corinthians 9, 7 this, Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give. Well, how much should that be? (laughs) You know, God commanded the Jews to give 10% of all they had to God. And it was a command. So they were sort of given under compulsion uh, uh, because the law said they had to do it. And, And to not do that would be to break the Jewish law. Um, followers of Jesus, though, you and I, it's different. It's different. We are not commanded to give a certain amount. Um, we are commanded to give, but not a certain amount. I mean, a, a certain dollar amount, uh, or even a certain percentage amount. And the reason is clear. Uh, God wants you and me to decide ourselves From our heart, not because some law said this is how much you give, but God wants us to decide from our heart how much we're going to give, how generous we're going to be. God wants us to see if we will choose to sow sparingly or choose to sow generously. It's totally up to you and me, totally up to us. So, again, how much should we give? What does God want us to give? How much is generous? Well, Paul wrote this in his first letter to the Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 16, 2. He said, On the first day of every week, each one of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with your income, saving it up so that when I come, no collection will have to be made. They were collecting money for a benevolent need, uh, and he was going to be coming by to pick that offering up. So what, what we must give is in keeping with our income, Paul says. Everyone's gift is based on their income. It's based on your income. It's not some universal amount. Okay, everybody must give this amount. Um, it's based on what you make. It's based on your situation, whatever that is. In other words, it's a percentage in keeping with your income. It's a percentage in keeping with your income. Now, the Jewish percentage was 10%. That was a command. Um, Of the 100% that God blessed the Jews with, 10% was to be given back to God. 90% was left for them to use for their own needs. I've always said this. 10% is a good representation of the whole. I think that's the reason God chose 10%, because it it sort of represents everything that we have. To me, 10% is a good place to start. Now, if 10% was good enough for God's people in the Old Testament, who didn't have the forgiveness of of their sins through Jesus, certainly, don't you think it's a good place for us to start, who do have the forgiveness of our sins uh, through Jesus? For those here today who have already made space for 10% uh, in your budget for God, um, for you, 10% is not a problem. If it's already in your budget, 
10% or whatever, even more than that, if that's in already in your budget, it's not a problem for you, is it? Uh, it's in your budget, and your budget has been adjusted so that 10% can fit. And if you're like me, you don't even think about it. You know, it's, it's, it's the bill you pay or the gift you give to God, and because it's, it's made to fit in your budget, you give it every week, and you don't even think about it. On the other hand, if you don't have 10% built into your budget right now for God, if you have 0%, or maybe 1% or 2%, if you were to instantly add 10% into your budget making space for God, for, for many of you that could be kind of tough if you just decided to do it today. It might scare you away from it. You know, oh, that ain't happening. That ain't happening. But it's scary because you've never done it before. You've never made space for it before. And so, yeah, if you did it instantly, it would be a little scary. God promised you this, promises you this, and I vouch for that promise, and many of you can vouch for it as well. Once you have that built into your budget, it's not scary at all. Not at all. It's just a part of your budget, like paying your car payment or, or your mortgage every, every month. If you're not tithing, if you're not, and tithing is a, another word for 10%, if you're not tithing, if you're not giving 10%, let me, let me challenge you to do this. Begin now to slowly work that into your budget. You might not be able to do it, boom, today. Some of you might be able to but others might not be able to do it right away. Start with something. A line in your budget with a definite um, a percentage. Start with something. Maybe you just start with 5% or 3%. And make it the first line in your budget and nothing is going to take its place. There's no way that it can be canceled. It's non-negotiable. And then, once you've decided that, then you've got to start adjusting the rest of your budget so that it'll fit. So, you go out to eat two times a month instead of four. Uh, you, you get Netflix instead of spending 50 bucks a person at the movies. Uh, it, you get a less expensive cell phone plan. That's what Jackie and I did recently. You go camping instead of going to Disney for a vacation. Uh, do you really need that new pair of shoes? I mean, really? Do you need that? Then set some goals. Once you've done that with the 2% or the 3% or the 5%, you've adjusted your budget, set some goals. In six months, I'm going to increase my giving to 5%, from 3 to 5% making the needed adjustments along, all right? What else can I cut back on? What else that I, that I don't really need? So I can get up to 5%. And then in 10 months, I want to get it up to 8%. Again, all along, making the adjustments in your, in your budget for it to work. In one year, God, I want there to be a, a solid 10% for you in my budget. It can be done. Many have done it. But you've got to decide, this is what I'm going to do. 
And when you get there, I promise you this, when you get there, you will not be afraid because you will have seen God's generous return all along through that process. And then once we get there, and for those of us who are already there, what's to stop us from moving even beyond that? If 10% was good enough for the Jews, why not more? For Christians, what about 11, 12, 13% or more as we grow and as the Lord blesses us? You know, remember, generosity says not how much do I have to give, but how much do I get to give? God, you've blessed me so much. My heart wants to bless your kingdom as much as I possibly can with my life, with my time, with my love, with my money. So let's ask ourselves this morning, everybody ask yourself, am I generous? Do I have a generous heart? What would it take for me to be more generous? Does God have a line in my budget? What steps do I need to take to give God a priority spot in my budget at the very top? Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each one of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver, and God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. Father, I thank you so much for your generosity to us. Uh, we, we cannot even fathom your generosity. Your willingness to give your life, to come down to earth, to, to become a human being like us, and then to offer your life as a sacrifice on, in such a horrible way on a cross. Um, Lord, thank you for your son and for what he did for us. And then when we put our faith in you, Lord, thank you for your grace. We don't deserve it, but you give it to us in, in anyway because you're so generous. And so, Lord, help us to seek to be like you, to put our trust in you, to not be afraid, but to put our trust in you as we seek to give of ourselves to you and your kingdom. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.